0: Back to the Bins. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spitaro, and I am joined today by a friend that I haven't talked to in probably close to 15 years. Uh, When I was first learning about podcasting one of the shows that i was listening to was the comic book page which was hosted by john mayo and bob retall and they did a feature called uh back issue spotlight and i had gotten into a i don't know if it was on facebook or through email or whatever but bob and i got into a conversation and i started talking about some old books with him and bob and i are of, of a very similar age i think we're within a couple of months of each other and. uh We, you know, Bob invited me on to do an episode about the Avengers Defenders War. And we did it.
1: That was a great episode. I loved that.
0: Yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. It gave me a taste for podcasting.
1: (laughs) I really like doing those uh, back issue ones. You know, it's like John mostly liked the new books. um, And I did the back issue ones and I did some creator spotlights where I would interview various comic book creators about things that were going out and you know just kind of a little variety We had like several different flavors of the show back then so it was, well, it was i came on fun. a second
0: time and we did uh, guardians of the galaxy and that was before the current incarnation of the guardians yeah. it, it was either before they existed or very very early in their existence because uh, the book we covered was the original Guardians, and then their their, their initial appearance in Marvel Superheroes, and then their revival in Marvel two, Marvel Two and One, and in the Defenders. Defenders, yeah.
1: And so, that was that was prior to, or maybe right around the time of the first movie. It was probably prior to the first. Oh, movie. it was definitely so, prior. It was before the first movie, so you know there was no movie versions of of these
0: characters at the time. I don't. I don't even remember having read any Guardians books at that time with Groot and Rocket and Star Lord. I just knew they, of the original, well, you know, Charlie, they, Charlie yeah, X, Twenty Seven, and uh, Martin X, and those guys.
1: Right. They came in during that uh, uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning run, um, yeah. which was actually very decent in the comics. Uh, yeah, I, it was. I enjoyed that. So Yeah, I
0: I did as well. But I think that Which is now an old back issue, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But I think that was coming out around the time when we recorded together or shortly afterwards. But anyway, it gave me a taste for podcasting and then Lo and behold, now I'm, I don't know, some 500 episodes into this show, plus the other shows I've done. And uh, I started thinking back, and I remember doing these with Bob, so I reached out to him and said, Hey, Bob, I don't even know if you remember doing these episodes, but I'd like to return the favor and have you on my show if I can. And Bob graciously has uh, agreed to come on. And if people don't know Bob from his days on the comic book page, they might know him as – I don't know if if that is maintained because I know there were standards that had to be done, but the Guinness Book of World Records uh, record holder for the biggest comic collection.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one because every time that gets mentioned, you know, a bunch of people, a lot of people say it's cool. And then I get a lot of people who say, oh, he's like some nerd who lives in his mother's basement, obviously, <laughs> to which I have to point out. No, I've been married for 38 years now. I have two adult children. Put them both through college. I haven't, like, uh, you know, frittered away all my money on comics. So my wife, you know, I spend a little bit on comics. But And then then there's the people who will immediately counter with, oh, I know – this guy has so many more comics than you
0: and it's well, like, part of the standard is it has to be the, the number can't count duplicate copies right of the same and, book.
1: and that's that's an interesting one because one time i was talking to a guy who was mostly a comic book dealer and that's the other thing you know comic book dealers and people who buy and sell comics and they buy entire collections they're gonna have a lot of comics right it's just like What I always say is like, hey, I've got like right now, I've got about a 100, a little over 140,000 comic books. And, you know, the record that's in Guinness is only a little over a 100,000 because when they came out and videoed, they did a video with me uh, earlier this summer that's out on YouTube. Um, And I was going to update my record with them at that time. But they've got some new people in the standards department now who are really hardcore. I mean, I had to do a whole bunch of stuff. Like, for my original thing, I had to do a public event. I had to do, you know, account. And I had, like, experts. I had a guy who ran the local comic shop and also a guy who did a blog on comics and had been a forensic accountant. And we did a lot of stuff to validate my comics. And, you know, I also sent in a Excel spreadsheet dump from my database. And at the time I was using uh, um comic base to, to catalog my collection. And I made a spreadsheet and I said, it was like, yeah, you know, it's like, is this guy going to actually type in a hundred thousand different comics just to fake out Guinness? So maybe if you had a lot of time on your hands, you know, but then I had to like give references and like, you know, like comic shops that had been selling me comics for 40 years, you know, or like I, and there was a lot of work. It took me years to do all that stuff. So it's not, you know, like, yeah, a lot of people could have a lot of comics, but they haven't jumped through the hoops and the hoops they wanted me to jump through this time was I sent them my database. You got like 140,000 comics and they're like, okay. So go into the database and every 500th comic in there, we want you to shoot a video of you pulling that comic book out of the box that it's in. And I'm like, that's 280 video clips. Do you know how much time it would take me to shoot 280 video? It's like, no, thank you. I I don't care enough. I don't, (laughs) I don't want to spend, like I figured if it took me like, five minutes for each one. And then I'd have to edit it and upload. It would probably have taken me like 80 hours to do all this stuff. And it's like, I just don't have that kind of time
0: on my hands. So I kind of declined, but and I guess other than the reputation, which is kind of cool. uh, But other than that, what does it get you? (laughs)
1: Nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Just like, you know, it's just like, it's kind of cool to have, but you know, it's again, Lots of people's like, I know a guy and it's like, that's all well and good. Um, I knew, so I knew a guy who had like, he was a comic book dealer and he said, I've got like 500,000 comic books. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, you can't count duplicates. And like when he went in and actually deduplicated his, uh, collection, he only had like 90 some thousand, uh, actual unique comics because you know you buy all these collections and you're going to get multiple copies of the same book and you know it's the same with a lot of things you know it's like a lot of people they just buy hordes of variant covers and just all kinds of different you know multiple copies of this comic because they think it's going to be valuable or something and you know i the other thing i say is it's like i haven't read every comic i've got. My I, I'm very open. It's like my to-read pile is about 10 short boxes at this point, which is probably, you know, a oh, couple of to. thousand comic books. <laughs> but I've read <laughs> the other ones, so I've probably read like 137 or 138,000 comics. A lot of people who own 500,000 comics because they have a store, would have they read all those comics? I don't know. I, it it's taken me 50 some years to read all the comics that I have. And I read a lot of comics. So I don't know. It's just like, that's, that's what I kind of fall back on is, is like, you know, I've, I've kind of read these comics and, you know, the other part over the years is because I like all different kinds of comics. When I started back in the seventies, I started with Marvel superheroes, but then you know, I read those Atlas comics when they came out. I started reading Elfquest when, you know, like first comics and Eclipse and Kimiko and Dark Horse and all those indie publishers came out in the 80s. I read comics from all those people. So it's just I've always had like a very wide range. And when I got older, I started because I was too young when I was when they were first coming out, but like the underground comics from the seventies that are like very raunchy and adult. You know, I was like ten. I couldn't be, you know, I wasn't going into some head shop to buy the Freak Brothers or something, you know, <laughs> um, which weren't really carried at, you know, regular newsstands. So, I've gotten into that stuff as an adult and I can appreciate a lot of that stuff, which is kind of cool cuz I have most of the superhero comics now. Down, I don't really do golden age, so like, you know, 60s and up is most of my collection. That was
0: what I was just going to ask you was did how far back did you delve? Did you, I mean, I assume with the number of comics you have that you have some That'll be before the 60s.
1: Oh yeah, I have I have a handful, and I have re you know like I have like the DC archives, you know the Golden Age archives, and PS Art Books the company. They put out some really cool um, reprints of comics from the the pre 60s. You know, like from Harvey. You know, the horror and Jungle Girl and Crime and. Things plus I have the full EC Comics library and the Russ Cochran reprints and I have all the Carl Barks Disney Duck stuff in the Another Rainbow um, library. So I have reprints of a lot of that stuff. I just don't have the actual, you know, all the actual original comics from back in the Golden Age. But I've got I've read a decent number of
0: them in reprint volumes. So now, again, I know I I just did a quick Google search just because I was curious with the world record and all of that. I was curious to if I put your name in, what was going to come up? Uh, And it was pretty much what I expected, the world record stuff and all of that. But I was fascinated by the fact that that you were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?
1: Because of the Guinness record. So that was one thing that I got because of the Guinness record, they had a Guinness record holders week on who wants to be a millionaire. I was in the green room with Ken Jennings. Oh, that's cool. Cause he, you know, obviously had the record for like the longest streak at the time. And most money won on jeopardy or probably on a game show. Um, and we got to hang out and talk in the green room while they were waiting uh, to go out, and that was in the cool. days when Terry Crews was the host of the. Of oh, the show. it
0: wasn't Regis.
1: It was not Regis. It wasn't, and it was Terry Crews was the host.
0: Okay, and he I did. Say, big,
1: I saw he's a big dude. When you're like standing like right there, it's kind of deceptive when you see him on TV, but like kind of be in there right with him
0: like he's he's
1: big anyway
0: so I, I clicked on that link and i saw you did get a comic book question in there though about uh i did who who on his cover was punching adolf hitler yeah uh, i i did get that one right uh <laughs> yeah, well, it looks like you got a, a, a number of them right but then when you yeah, got one wrong you I went got backwards taken
1: down by uh um some disease that ravaged uh, Washington's troops and smallpox. And it was the Spanish flu,
0: I think. Oh, that's right. I think you said smallpox, and it was. Spanish I think I flu. said smallpox. But right. It was the Spanish flu. And I would have gotten that one wrong too. Oh. And there were others that you got right that I might that I think I would have gotten wrong when I went through. Because, it. It, like I said, there was a little link for a for a uh, a page for who wants to be a millionaire that you you were on, and they listed your questions. Yeah. So I took and a I, quick look, and I, I would I not have done up, as well I've, as you.
1: I ended up with like a thousand dollars or something. That's like very cool. Bro. You know, which is funny. I paid for I got a trip to you know, I flew out to New York. They didn't put me up or anything. That's the other thing is you gotta do your own travel. So but I flew out to New York and I got to hang around New York City for a few days. I went up um the uh the filming was in uh Connecticut. Um really? like in Stanford or something like that it's someplace just north it's not that far north of New York but then a buddy of mine Rick Gordon who uh does a podcast also sometimes um he lives up in upstate New York and Water which is upstate New York and I went up and I visited him so I had a nice trip while I was there and kind of all told I mean I got the thousand dollars at like paid for, like, half my trip. So so I kind of got, a little, like, a week vacation half paid for by who wants to be a millionaire.
0: It would have been nice if they at least put you up and, you know, flew you in. I, it didn't doesn't feel like that would have been too much to ask for. Yeah,
1: their budget, I guess, you know, they don't have much of a budget, or at least they don't choose to if they can get people who just want to be on TV to – the bill why would they pay for it if other people will do it
0: <laughs> yeah yeah very cool though still I, I i would have you know i'm on the east coast but i would fly out to the west coast to be on who wants to be a millionaire if they invited yeah. me and i i would do it on my own dime if i needed to right
1: which is you know it's like hey this is this is fun and it it's just like an experience right and the other thing that you don't really take into account is like standing there with all those like lights flashing at you and all the people and everything it's very different than when you're sitting on your couch in your living room on that's what i keep telling my wife questions. it's it's very different so it was that's, kind of an it was a fun experience to have
0: that's exactly what i keep telling my wife because we you know i i dvr jeopardy every night and i and i always watch it and and i sit there and i spout off the answers probably, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but probably more than the average person. I'm not saying I'm brilliant or anything, but I would say I'm above average as far as my ability to know meaningless trivia that will never earn me a dime. Um, and, and my wife listens to me, give her these answers. And she says, you should go on the show. And I tell her, I said, it's not the same. You have to understand that first of all, you're under a lot more pressure. Second of all, You're competing with two other people who have a buzzer in their hand and are going to try and beat you in on the easy answers anyway. And third of all, you know, it's just it's just I mean, really, the first of all is what it comes back to is the pressure that you're under in that situation is not the same as sitting on a living room chair. So I I can totally understand how you're sitting there in that studio. You know, yeah, I can answer some of the questions you can, but you put me in that chair. I might be a blithering idiot. (laughs) So.
1: At least I didn't like blow it on like the early easy questions. You know, <laughs> it's like I made it a certain amount of the way in and then flamed out. So uh, I uh, got so- randomly got a comic book question. So I mean, I don't think they, I don't think that they seeded that one for me. If it, if they were gonna seed one for me, it seems like they'd pick one a little harder than that. But uh, <laughs> you you it would like, think
0: you would think. But so now. Again, I did that quick search, and I was just looking, and and I, it said uh, you first got hooked on comics at eight years old with Spider-Man number, I think it said 66? 88. 88, excuse me. Now, again, we're about the same age, but it took me a little longer. I had read comics when I was younger, but I didn't get hooked. And I, I, I'm i telling you, I bought this book, and I was immediately I went from a casual reader to a collector, and I have not let go of that since. But it was Spider-Man one thirty-one. That was my first book as a collector.
1: Yeah, I've and got I, a buddy who's born on the exact same day as me, same day, same year. We both have the exact same birthday. He lives in New York. He's one of the guys that's on this. On a we do a Sunday Zoom call talking about comics. Um. He, same age as me, so I was eight when I started. He So that was like the summer of 1970, my first one. His first comic, when we were talking about it, was in like October of 69. So he was like seven years old. So he even beat me by a year, mm. just like, you know. Maybe just better access or whatever, you know. I mean, I had read comics before that. When I say first comic, it was like the first comic I went to the store and bought for myself because I had two older brothers and they had comics around the house. And I had read, you know, Justice League uh, issues, Batman, Uncle Scrooge, Donald Duck, you know, just various different comics I had read prior to that Spider Man. But I, distinctly recall that being the one that i pulled off the rack and i read buying it and then every month since then I've <laughs> that's been the one that flicked store, the switch right buying comics so that's yeah. the one that made
0: me a collector now i i made the mistake uh at i guess about 24 years old i decided i was too old to collect comics anymore so i stopped and i think this is not uncommon but that about 30 years old I decided what the hell was I thinking and uh and started again so I did have a gap in there about six years where I wasn't buying anything but I have since and and then I started buying and I was buying all new stuff and whatever excuse me but eventually I decided to pare down which is something you clearly haven't done never never (laughs) done that And and what I did was I just focused what I was going after, and you know my collection is I can tell you exactly how many are in mine. It is a a fraction of yours. My my comics collection is this wrong list. There we go. Eight thousand four hundred and two books. That's it. A tight Uh, eight thousand. A tight eight thousand. But it's it's. For the most, for the very, very large part, there is, it starts from, you know, from the Marvel age and it works up until about crisis. And so then there's some number, that comes after that, but not that much. My number
1: as of right now is 140,736.
0: Yeah. So, so, so my, my collection would fit into a nook or cranny, in <laughs> yours. but, but I think, you know, The size of the collection doesn't necessarily reflect the uh, the 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 passion for the hobby, Uh, right?
1: And you know, and and and, and
0: so so you know, it's the first first of all. I think you you have to say even you know eight thousand comics, one hundred forty thousand comics. Either way, both of our wives are saints (laughs) that that they enable this. And and I was telling the story to uh to one of my friends that. There's there's a week, a monthly show in my neighborhood. It's about, you know, 10 minutes away from my house. uh, And it's just purely a comic book show. There's not, you know, celebrities or or even there's no artist salary or anything like that. It's just really people selling back issues. And then there's some people who sell, you know, pop figures or whatever. But it's, it's once a month. It's the third Sunday of every month. So the other day I asked my wife, oh, what do we got going on this weekend? And she says, well, you have your comic show on Sunday. So without me saying anything about it, she chimes in that that's where I'm going. So she she I always tell her she's an enabler and and I think she wears that badge proudly, uh, and and I'm proud to tell people about it that you know that, that I have a wife who 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 is happy enough to see me happy that she she you know allows this. And I assume you have a wife who's similar or oh, has her own extravagant she, hobby.
1: <laughs> back in the day when she was uh, when I was getting my collection into comic base back when i was using comic base i don't use comic base anymore but uh back then and i had previously i had written all the things on like these index cards i had made my own custom index cards that i brought to a print shop and got copies run off where you would put like the title and then it would have a spot on each card it was like uh a hundred issues so you know you can put like what's the and you'd put like i'd put the condition you know for anyone then be holes in there and i had them all in these little uh um so they're like index card size right remember the back back when we used paper a lot there were these i had these little uh metal cases that you'd put the index cards into and i had like you know, 10 or 15 of those that I just have all these index cards in and I could look up my collection and i track my collection on that. Well, she actually, because she was home with the kids at that time, she took all those index cards and entered them into the database for me. Wow. Which is That's above great. and beyond, right?
0: <laughs> well, just recently, I've started to re and board My books because I have some that have been in the same bags for, you know, 25, 30 years now, and I know that's not what the way you're supposed to keep them. So I've picked up a bunch of bags and boards and I've started going through them. Uh, and, and she volunteered. She says, you know, if you show me what to do, I'll do this for you. Uh, which which I really, really appreciate that the mindset that she's so willing to do it, because this isn't something she's passionate about. And it's just yeah. what she's trying to help me. But I told her, I said, this is part of the fun of the hobby for me. I enjoy doing this, you know, to pull out all the books and, and go through them. Now, again, well, if I had one hundred and forty thousand, that might what be you different. Might have her,
1: what you might ever do. My wife does for me a lot of times while she's watching TV is she'll make the bags and boards for me because I'll buy like a thousand bags and boards, but you know, you buy like 10 bags of 100 bags and you buy like a big old box of boards and you got to put the boards into yes. the bags. That's yeah, not I, as fun, I've, right? So have she'll, thought about she'll asking make to do that. <laughs> the bags and boards for me. I used to have my kids do that for me, I'd give them like I don't know, like a buck or something for every hundred bags and boards that they'd make for me. So I didn't, I wouldn't do that that much. Um, But I, I I agree. Now, how is your, how have your bags been holding up? I guess a lot of that has to do with, you know, it's interesting because the people who have a vested interest in selling Mylar bags would have, the collecting world believe that putting your comic in a poly bag is kind of like wrapping it in a tissue and setting it out in the rain. Uh, You know, it's, it's just like terrible, but I'll tell you, I have pulled out comics from 30, 40 years ago. Like as a, for instance, um, I've been for a long time, I've been loaning books to Tashin who makes those big giant oversized, books about comics you might have seen some of them they're just immense um cost a couple of hundred dollars um but i loan them comics for those books because they pretty much know they ask me i have the comics that they want (laughs) so they don't have to like go to like 20 different people i just kind of they tell me what they need and i anyway i pull those comics out to send them to them and I find that a lot of books that I've pulled out for, that haven't been bagged and boarded, I mean, some of them have that kind of wavy ripple on the bag. Yeah, but a lot of true. them I'll pull out of a box from 30 years ago, and it looks just fine. There's no degradation.
0: I find that the all. more common thing is for the bag starting to degrade and kind of sticking together. I've seen that, but again, not often. I
1: mean, like I'll have like that happen and maybe it was just the manufacturer of the bag or something, but it's not like all my bags. It's just like sometimes that happens. So it's kind of interesting because I'll like, like I said, I'll pull out some of the things that have been bagged for 30 years and they seem fine still. You know, for so the, it, for the most part, of, I agree, but,
0: but I, I, I think, do see some
1: degradation. No, yeah. no, and like I said, it's kind of random, and I think it maybe has to do with I can't guarantee that like all of them were the same source because if I bought it as a back issue, you know, I would leave it in the same bag and board, and who knows, maybe that was a bag that was already twenty years old. You know, when I got it, now I've had it for another 30 years. So it's like that's a 50-year-old bag and board or something, you know. Who knows?
0: But I I had a situation where I had my original collection. I lived in my mom and dad's house, and we had, like, a back room that was not air. You know, there was no air conditioning, no heat, no air conditioning. It was was basically going to get whatever the ambient temperature was, and I had some cabinets that I had the books in. And then at some point, when I started to clear them out, they were over in my sister's basement for a while, then they made their way to my first apartment, then from my first apartment to my first house that I owned, and now I'm in only the second house that I've ever owned, but in this house, we have a closet with shelves on it, and my wife was gracious enough to say, "If you want to use that for your comics, you can," and they fit perfectly in there. Uh, it's in the basement, but it seems to be relatively dry, and when the closet's closed, it's dark, so I think they'll maintain very well there. Uh, but I am little by little replacing the co- the bags.
1: Yeah, the only thing with a basement is, if like you get like a flood. And it, like, fills up to, like, five feet of water or something. Well, if it goes five feet, I'm screwed. Then you're (laughs) you're kind of screwed. Like, I have mine in the garage, but they're on shelves, um, and the shelves sit, like, about two and a half, three inches up off the ground. And where I live, it can't – I mean, it would be pretty – it would be impossible because I'm, like, kind of on a hill, and I'm not at the bottom of the hill. (laughs) It's like – there's no way I could get six or eight or 10 inches of standing water. You know, it just, it's not possible because it would flow downhill unless there was like a Noah's Ark level flood that was like wiping out like the whole, whole of Southern California.
0: If, if we get a flood so bad that it it ruins my entire collection, that's probably going to be the least of my concerns. (laughs) Because because that means we're gonna have like you say Noah's Ark uh, level flooding, uh, and and there's a lot more things uh, than my comics to worry about. Let me ask you though, when when you when we've had talks a lot on on this show, and we talk about the CGC ratings and the you know the the, the cases they put the the books in and all of that, uh, where do you, where do you fall on that stuff?
1: I have never paid CGC to slab a book and I don't know that I would pay CGC to slab a book. In the early days of CGC, um, I would buy lower-grade books in slabs, and I would crack them so I could read the book. Mm -hmm. Like my Showcase 22, the first Green Lantern, I bought that slabbed. It was like a 4.5, I think, and I cracked it. Now, back then, this was early days, like maybe 2005-ish, anything that, like, the people who were collecting slabs back then, they only wanted really high grades. So I actually would get, like, these four, 4.5, 5.0 books for, like, under guide, like, sometimes, like, half guide. Mm. Because it came back slabbed in this low grade and none of the slab collectors wanted these books, but I would crack them a lot of times. Now, since then, like if I buy like a, a super key book, like I bought fantastic Four number one recently, um, this year. Um, and I bought it on the internet, right? So I got that slabbed and, I think that there's, like, if you're paying thousands of dollars for a book, right? I kind of like the fact that I will know if there's restoration. I will know if there's pages missing. I will know, you know, whatever. Now, that being said, the CGC people are human. Their grades are all over the place. I mean, it's just like I will see some books in A grade and they look like what I would call that grade. And sometimes they look far worse than what I would call that grade. And sometimes they look better than what I would call that grade. Um, and I, people will say, oh, it has to do with the paper quality. And it has to do with this and that. And, yeah, that's true in a perfect world. But... I also have friends who are really hardcore slabbers and we like look at books that come back and there'll be like a fold on a book that shouldn't be in this grade. And it's given that grade. There'll be like, just, it's just, they make mistakes and well, they're gr- very grading is, mouth.
0: They're grading very, is very subjective
1: about it. The president of CGC, um, he does this panel at San Diego comic-con about grading comics And he brings a projector and he'll like grade some comics right there, you know, have these comics and he'll, you know, there's this overhead projector thing that like you'll see on the screen, the comic, and he'll talk about, you know, you know, this and that. There's also the CGC grading guide. It's like a photo guide book. And I bought that and I looked at it to me. It's worthless. Um, It just has like a cataloging of defects that can exist in a book. It's a friend of mine said, oh, this is really good because I like seeing all the different things that can be wrong with the book. The problem with it is when you look at the Overstreet Pictorial Grading Guide, right, it shows you a comic book and it assigns a grade to it. And it says, here's why it's this grade. And then they'll even, in some of the versions of it, they'll show the same book in a whole bunch of different grades. And you can kind of see very well. The CGC one, it just has all this stuff. And it says, well, this defect can exist in books graded between 8.5 and 2.5. And it's like, that's really not helpful to me. You know, it's just like, (laughs) and when I asked the president about that at the San Diego panel last year, maybe it was the year before, he said, and I, I said, well, why? I noticed that you don't give very specific information here. It's like, why don't you just tell us a lot more specifically? He says, well, that's our secret sauce on how we grade. I can't reveal all that. And to me. That's a terrible statement for the president of a grading company to make because there should not be secret sauce on like how they're grading your comic book. But I will say that they have one of the most successful marketing, the marketing person at their company, whoever worked there and managed to brainwash the entire hobby into thinking that something that's slabbed by CGC is somehow magically better than stuff that's slabbed by CBCS or, you know, things that just regular people have graded, man, they have been very Yum. effective at that. And there's so many people that are chasing their 9.8s and they're, you know, pressing and cleaning and this and that. And to me, it's like, I read the comic, I want I want to have it if it's like this great or that. I don't worry about it that much, but it's just that's not what I derive pleasure from. So, you know, I don't knock someone if somebody of what gives them pleasure out of the hobby is having the most slabbed 9.8 books or the highest dollar value collection or the highest dollar value version of a book. There's some people who like that, and that's what knocks. That's that gives them the charge. That's fine. I don't want to talk with those people particularly because it's not my. That's not what gives me energy. But I, I like the characters. I like the books. I like the stories. I like kind of having. It's that obsessive compulsive. You want to have all of a series, you know? Yeah. That's, oh, believe that's, me, we know. That, that's the other. <laughs> well, you know, that's the other thing that bugs me about. Variant covers, right? Like nowadays, man, a book comes out and it's got, you know, like almost any number one issue from Marvel in particular or DC to a lesser extent, there's like 14 to 30 different versions of that cover. And you got all these online stores making their own variant covers. And, you know, it's just like, you can't, it's, physically impossible almost to have a complete set of all the variant covers so it's just like if i can't have a complete set i just kind of step back and say well i'm not going to do that because i like to have a complete set so i'll just have a complete set of a series but it's just like one of the cop comics and if there's like a really cool cover like recent recent years, you've probably seen them. You know, when Alex Ross does the timeless variants where it's just like this image of a very classic image of the hero or a villain on kind of a white background. They right. used it for the mural at the Marvel offices. Well, I bought those and they're actually on my spinner rack over here right now. And I look at them, you know, it just Yeah, no, I, 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 I will yeah. buy a variant cover that's cool to look at and it only costs me like the price of the comic. I like these one in twenty-five variants that people are paying thirty or fifty dollars. I will buy this for twenty dollars. This old issue of Psycho Magazine from uh, Skywald. It's kind of like a creepy. I think I paid like thirty bucks for this. Came out in March nineteen seventy-one. It's got the first Silver Age appearance of the Heap. Um, it's got. Oh, yeah. Art in it by uh, I remember the heap, <laughs> um, you know, Rich Buckler and a lot, a lot of, you know, like Marv Wolfman wrote the story in here. And there's like all kinds of people who were hot back in the day. Um, and it was like 30 bucks. It's like a uh, very good. Right. It's not perfect, but it, I read it. It's cool. I would much rather buy that for $30 than a one in 25 variant of some comic book that came out last week. But and that's and, just and
0: a book that you can, you've already read in with that, this a book regular that, I cover. Bought,
1: that. I bought the a cover of for, you know, 30% off cover. Yeah. So I paid, it's a four dot five. Let's look. Most number one issues now are five bucks. So
0: I probably paid three and a quarter for it, you know? Right. So I, I have one slabbed book in my collection. And the only reason I have that, because I'm not a big fan of the whole slabbing process. Even if it's a book, if you give me Fantastic Four number one, uh, I want to put it in way somewhere where it's going to stay protected, obviously. But even though I doubt I would ever open it up, I still want to have the option. I don't like the fact that it's slabbed away and you can't open it up. So I I've I've started getting these comic skins. I've heard about those. Do you like those? Yeah, I'm 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 pretty happy with them and I, I've so far I've probably gotten about a hundred of them. I mean I'm I i have not gone crazy. How but much you they know cost? they cost? They cost you about I think it's like eighty dollars for five of them or ninety dollars for five. So I buy them little by little, you know, I I haven't just So like about twenty
1: so close almost, to like almost almost twenty bucks. Twenty each. bucks a piece. Yeah. So almost well, I mean I don't send things to be slab, but it's like probably by the time you pay shipping and everything, it probably costs you 40 bucks to slab a book. So well, it
0: depends on the book. Cause they charge you more right, for the charge you book. for
1: expensive, but I'm just saying, and,
0: and I'm more likely to use these on the better books in my collection for right. obvious reasons. So those are the books they're going to charge me more for. If I send them my Spider-Man one twenty nine to slab, it's not going to be $40 for it to get done. Right.
1: Well, you know, like those books, if I have them, I just use a Mylar. And my I I use the
0: skins for those now.
1: Mylars are nice. I I actually started, I mean, again, I don't send stuff to be slabbed, but I started kind of like a little sub collection that I've been buying. And I have the comics already, but here's an example I'll show you. Um, was was it Iron Man 53? Iron Man number 53. This one happens to be signed by Roy Thomas, but it's a uh, not, it wasn't that expensive. I think I paid like 70, $75 for maybe 80 bucks. Um Cause it's a 6.5, right. but the collection is the first comic, The first issue of that series that I bought off the rack for myself. Oh, okay. So I have a very strict memory of, and that was the first issue of Iron Man I bought. This is the first issue of Captain America that I bought.
0: 137,
1: yes. Um, Because it had Spider-Man, and I was, it started reading Spider-Man. And this is an 8.5, and again, I think... I might have paid like, again, like 80 bucks for it. Cause it's not a 9.2, it's not a 9.8. And it's just like a lot of these books, it's just like, it's not a key issue for anyone but me. Yeah, <laughs> just like some of them, like, I just kind of like, I've been kind of looking around and I kind of, you know, I want to get like the first Submariner issue, the first FF, the first, you know, mm-hmm all the different ones that I and I remember them very those covers are kind of burned into my head because they were the first one of that particular series that I bought for myself. Oh,
0: I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, I remember know, the first ones I I don't in mind. The I mean, I get
1: the slabs cuz they look nice. They're kind of clear. I'm not obsessed about they all have to be a 9.8 cuz it's like if I bought a 9 point, even of this book I mean, I paid like eighty bucks for this Captain America, right? If I wanted a nine point eight of this, it would probably be six or seven hundred dollars. And it's like, well, eh, no, I, yeah, no, don't, I, want I, agree I with don't want you. it that bad, you know.
0: I just, I like I said, there's also the element of the fact that you can't take it out, and it's fine because I assume those that you ha- you have those in another form anyway. Have, if you wanted to, I have to. a
1: copy of it in my collection. That's yeah. like a four point five because I read it. 30 times when I was nine years old. Right. You know, it's just like, so I have a copy that I can read if I want. So this is just a duplicate issue for me, you know? So that's an example of something that I wouldn't mind, that I don't mind having a slab
0: of. So Um, the only, the only slab I have is uh, I was recently just trying to fill out my fourth world Kirby collection, which I uh did not have everything. And, uh, for, uh, the forever people, I didn't have number one. And then I saw on eBay, a slabbed copy. And it's, I think it's like a 6.5, somewhere around that level. And it was like $30. Yeah. And I thought, I thought, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll buy it out for $30. Cause I would buy that unslaved for
1: $30. Exactly. And you know, I, I bought on black Friday, there was a sale at one place. I got a, I had read, there's this new series called new burn. It's a cool kind of, you know, it's a, it's a cool series. But they had a sketch cover. They had a, a variant cover that was made for Things from Another World, who's a online retailer. And it had a remarked little head sketch and an autograph on it. Um, and it was a 9.8. How much do you think it was?
0: $150.
1: <laughs> Fif- $15. $15. <laughs> 'Cause nobody is like I I it, it was a cool thing. It's like, okay, for fifteen dollars, that's like less than it cost them to get it slabbed.
0: Then yeah, exactly. Like
1: getting rid of these things. It's like, okay, you know.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. I I you know, I'm um and and I'm I'm like you to each their own. If it's not my thing, that's fine, but if somebody else really likes that, I know talking to certain comic store owners, they've said, you know, this slabbing of the books whether they agree with it or not has been a windfall for them financially when they get a when they get a golden age book you know immediately they want to slab it because it bumps up the price several times even if it's now you know a golden age book even that's you know a 3.0 or something like that it's still going to multiply the value once it's slabbed
1: and it makes it easier to sell because again a lot of those books are um you know there's a lot of restoration that you might not see now certain things that c g c will give you that purple label and call it they're they're also very squirrely about they now have something called conserved, which is like which is like restored, but it doesn't get that purple label, and it's almost like if they do it then then you're okay <laughs> if you paid them. And, like, sometimes they'll take a book and they'll give – there's something they call qualified grade that has a green label on it. And they'll give a book a qualified grade, and it'll be like, well, this book looks like a 7.5, except it's missing a page that's torn out. And it's, you know, like, interrupts the story even. Um, And Mm -hmm. it'll be a green label. It'll be 7.5, but it'll say on the label, it'll say – Missing page 12 interrupts story and art, you know, incomplete, which normally you have a page torn out of a book. It's like a one or a point 0.5 or something, right? You know, sure. it just, and they do that. And, you know, I, I've been looking for some of the early ones and there was a Tales to Astonish 27, which is the only Ant-Man I don't have, um, which is the Man in the Ant Hill issue right. kind of before he had the costume and it was like that it was like a green label and they were asking like and it's like i wouldn't buy it you know it was like if it was dirt cheap if it was like 800 bucks instead of but they were asking like i don't know like 3200 for it or something it like with the missing page you know, with the missing page because they got this high grade green label from cgc and it, it's mm-hmm. all kind of part of the shell game that they've got going you know where everyone's kind of bought into it and that
0: eh, you know but you know i mean the bottom line is i think we we are of a similar mind where we're in this for the love of the stories love of the art love of the books the characters all of that and not quite so much for the hey i could resell this for this much uh
1: that, that said when i buy a key and I've been trying to fill in my last Marvel keys. I think I'm missing five. Now I need journey into mystery. 83 tales to astonish 39. Uh, no, tales of suspense. suspense thirty nine, Tales to astonish 27. And then FF number one, number four. That's four. What's the other one I'm missing? I got the first Doctor... So I'm only missing one issue of FF. I'm missing one Ant-Man. I'm missing one Thor. I'm missing one Iron Man. I think that's it. I think I'm think i down to like four. <laughs> when I buy those issues, like I got my FF number one. It's so a 2.0. Mm-hmm. I bought that slapped. Right. I've read FF number one a number of times, right? I And it's just like if I'm going to spend that much money on a book, I kind of do want to preserve the value of it so that my kids sure. can sell it, you know, um, and get that. So it's like, I'm kind of like temporarily custodian of that book. And it was the same thing. I got a, when I got my X-Men number one, it's like a 3.0 signature series signed by Stanley, um, which is nice. And, you know, but again, it's just like it's in the slab I've read that book before a number of times, so it's not like I can't read it i I get reluctant on'm buying slabs of like books that haven't been reprinted a lot like for instance, I was looking for uh what was it is just like some book like Night Nurse or something, and I kept seeing slabs, and I was like necessarily want to buy a slab of that one because i don't think i've ever read the actual thing and Mm. i don't know that it's been reprinted so it's just like i don't want a book that's slab that i haven't read in some other form because i'm not you know if i pay a lot of money for the slab and it's just (laughs)
0: different you know if i have it slabbed not only do i want to have read it i want to have access to continue to read it in an unslaved form. So I want to have a reprint of it, or I want to have a duplicate like you have with your Captain America 137, you know, something along those lines. And that doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to pull it out, and never read it, but I want to have the ability to.
1: Right. And it's just like they've, a lot of these keys in particular, I got one just laying up here. They printed this facsimile edition of X-Men number one, just, you know, not too right. long ago. So this was $4. So, I've got this, and this is a re. This is a facsimile, so it's got all the ads and everything. So yeah. I kind of keep that near my slab, and it's like, well, if I want to read it,
0: <laughs> yeah, <that> exactly. Or <laughs> they have you but, know, those, you know, it's those DVDs that came out with all the issues in them, and yeah. you know, there's there's certainly ways to to have the have your cake and eat it too.
1: It's kind of difference though, is like to me, if you're buying an old key very expensive book right i can see a purpose to slabbing that book because it's authenticated you know there's no um uh, restoration you know all the pages are there and all these kinds of things right and especially if you're buying it on the internet and not like at a show where you're like seeing it and you can you know do all that assessment yourself right it's kind of like a buyer guarantee That's one thing. And I think that's very valid way of using grading. The other side of grading, it's not that it's bad, just not my cup of tea are the ones where it's just like people are just grabbing up these books that are from last week. and, And they're just like variant covers and this and that, or it's just like something that some website says is a hot comic for whatever reason. And they're just, Pressing them and just chasing after getting nine point eights and they want to have all these perfect, pristine nine point eight comics in a in a thing. I. I can understand that people like that. I can see that I just it's that one that one eludes me as the that that to me is, is of
0: that that's chasing potential resale value that's speculating that's something that i was never in the hobby for it doesn't mean i, w- I don't want to have books that turn out to be valuable but i i don't that's that's not why i'm in the hobby and and to me i i believe that if you're going to look you know the, there's the you know the, the joke about all the people who bought the death of superman issues thinking they were going to put their kids through college one day when it's a book like that that's highly heralded there's going to be copies all over the place and there's going to be such a major print run that it's not going to, you know, you're never going to get that value in your it's, lifetime. If you want to get something far
1: worse than that, not lately. Um, I, I, if you're not watching the market on this, because you got all these hot comic websites and podcasts. Now there's mm-hmm. lots of shows and lots of websites that tout comics as being hot, like every week. And they'll, like, come out, and it's like, I just ask my shop, what's the thing that everybody's buying this week? Because some site will say, oh, this has got this major event. It's like a new costume of this person or a new minor character is introduced, and it's like, this might be a big thing. And it just – it you have these people who don't read the series – See that it's it's flagged as a potentially hot comic, and they call the comic shop. Oh, I want to buy this comic, and they like buy them up, and then they turn around and they flip them on eBay, you know, for twenty dollars the same week that they're coming out, or like the shops will be putting. Oh well, it's a hot comic, so let's increase the price. You know, it's just there's a a weird, um, very incestuous market there. Of you know just these manufactured collectibles, I I think, and it's it's something where they don't hold. Like as an one I bring up all the time is there's when Tony Stark Iron Man series called Tony Stark Iron Man came out uh, four or five years ago. Like there was a zillion covers had the first appearance of Dr. Shapiro. you ever hear of dr Shapiro?
0: no actually it no
1: we haven't It's like talking cat that is a doctor um and first and it was like at the time hot hot comic first appearance, Dr Shapiro when it first came out, these people who collect this stuff were like buying it all up, and you know the price was off the charts. It's listed in, like, my comic book database is a minor key, and I'm like, dudes, you got to, I don't even use the minor key function in the database because it's so polluted with nonsense mm-hmm. like this. And it's just like, but the moral of the story is, is this was being flipped on eBay for big bucks. I saw a copy on mycomicshop.com a couple of weeks ago for, like, $2. Right, because they never put Doctor Shapiro in a movie. Nobody ever saw Doctor <laughs> Shapiro again. Nobody gives a crap about Doctor Shapiro. So I, I could, it, it's I could take that even further. Though. It,
0: you know, I could t- I could take that even further. When uh, when they announced that they were making Thor: Love and Thunder, uh, a friend of mine who who sells books on eBay, I I gave him my copy of What If Number Ten. What if Jane Forster had the right. uh, had The Hammer of Thor, uh, which broke up my collection because I had the full series. And that now I was missing that one issue. And I gave it to him to sell it on eBay because it was the hot book right then because they announced the movie. Right. He sold it for me for $250. And, I, and when he sold it, I said, I'm going to wait five years and then I'm buying this again for $5. And six months ago, I bought it for 10
1: yeah, and that, you know the thing, the, the sad part is, is like you sold it for $250. I'll bet you it probably at some point went up to four or $500. <laughs> a bunch of people bought it there and then just, because that movie was not well-regarded, right? I thought it was a perfectly fine movie, but it was not well-regarded by a lot of people. Agreed. And then boom, down it goes, $10. Same thing, Well by Night, is it thirty-two? The first appearance of Moon Knight. Right. When they announced the Moon Knight series, that book took off. It was like fifteen hundred dollars or something. It was like really expensive, and I wish I had sold it. It's just like it's it's not a ten dollar book because it's the first appearance. No, it's of still
0: it's probably going for but about one hundred fifty now. It 200.
1: is significantly like ten fifteen percent of what it was in that frenzy because, again, that series was not universally loved, let's just say, you know, by people. And that's the that's the crapshoot. You know, these people who are chasing that flash-in-the-pan speculative thing, man, it's like you might hit the lottery on the one thing, but if you step back and look at all the money that the people who do that if they actually step back and looked at the, all the money they spent on stuff that didn't become that thing that they made money on, they're probably breaking even at best. Now, the exception to that rule are the people who chronically buy stuff and then flip it really quick, and they don't care about the book at all. It's just uh, – trading card to them that they're just flipping to make money. And then it just becomes a job and it's just like a way to make some extra income, which is fine, but it's not like they care about that thing. It's just a way for me to make money. Yeah. You know, like the people would come to conventions and, and this was back in the day, they would stand in the big long lines to buy the exclusive hero clicks or action figures or whatnot And they'd Mm -hmm. go away from the convention and they'd sell them on eBay, you know, like within a few days. And then like five, ten years later, those things, no, you can't even give some of those things away.
0: You know, you see the same same thing with uh, sports. I'm a big sports fan, uh, particularly I'm a big baseball fan. And you see they, you know, they'll come out with, uh, oh, they're going to have a giveaway at this game of a bobblehead of this, you know, this player. And for whatever reason, that's the hot, hot thing of the month. And uh, you know, it, 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 like the the day of the event, you see them selling it. They did a thing. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, who was on the Mets, uh, and then he's gone on several teams since then. But they, you know, he's got he's Norwegian, I guess, heritage. He's got long blonde hair, and they used to call him Thor. So they came out with a bobblehead with him holding Thor's hammer, and with the Uh, helmet and all of that uh my son and i went to that game and we got the bobbleheads i still have it uh but that day on ebay it was selling for like 150 dollars and you know now it's probably you find it somewhere for 10 somewhere now
1: i always say it's like if you're buying something like that because you genuinely love it and you want to have it and it's worth that money to you then it doesn't matter if it subsequently goes down in resale value. Like as a, for instance, like what does it cost to see a movie in like an IMAX screen now, like 25 or $30, right? It's just like, I'm not, when I pay $30 to see an IMAX movie of some action movie that I love, right? Or I hope I'm going to love. I don't expect to be able to resell the experience of seeing that movie for $50 down the line. It's just that I thought it was worth $30 for me to have that experience, to have that thing. And it's the same thing with, like, a variant cover that I buy. You know, it's like, well, it's worth an extra you know, four bucks a piece to buy all the different Alex Ross covers that I'm going to put on my spinner rack when I have the regular cover, you know, in my collection that I read, you know, it's just because it's just something that it's worth that money for me to put on my rack. And I look at it, you know, and it's just like, I'm not expecting to make money off of it. It's just, it's a cool thing that I like, you know, that's, that's the that's the difference. Is I never looked at any of this stuff as uh, I'm going to make money off of it. It's just some of the a lot, you know. Some I will say out of 140,000, it's it is a sum, and I'm holding my fingers very close together for the people who aren't seeing this on video. Uh, you know, things that are worth a lot of money. I mean, but you know, it's like yeah, out of 140,000 comics i probably have like a thousand or 1500 that are you know super expensive and it's just like it's kind of going up because like a lot of the marvel books like almost any spider-man issue below you know around where you started at 131 um are all fairly expensive you know (laughs) now it's just like they're all 50 plus dollars right and the early ones are all hundreds of several hundred dollars right so it's just, like, none of those are, like, mega, super expensive. But, I mean, there's a lot of that stuff. But then there's lots of other books that I bought that I I love that are still dollar bin books. And I see them in dollar bins to this day, like the series Grimjack that came out from mm-hmm. uh, First Comics. Uh, First Wasn't Pacific? Might have been. But, you know, it's like you had Grimjack and... For some, you know, like nobody knows who Grimjack is, nobody cares. Aztec Ace, great series, you know. Um, Rocketeer hit, but even that, it's not mega expensive to buy the first appearance of Rocketeer. You could probably get a first appearance of Rocketeer for from Pacific Presents for probably under fifty dollars. You know, it's not like it's super super expensive. Um, so it's just like, which, which bothers me. Cause I have that. <laughs> yeah, But see, the thing is, is like, I have lots of stuff like that that I read and I love and it's, it's basically all like dollar bin stuff or stuff that like shops kind of wouldn't even want. Cause it's just going to take up space in their warehouse, you know, cause they only want the key things, you know, they want the, the super expensive things and all this other stuff is just yeah. And it's 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 funny because I've gone to sales like my local shop here. They do a on free comic book day, they do a big sale. You know, they give out the free comic books. And they're pretty good because they'll give out like the first hundred people in line get all the free comic book day comics, like 50 comics. So I go there early and I sit and I just get this big stack of free comic books. But then they have like a lot of the books on the rack that are not like this week's comics or like a dollar a piece. You know, so I get stuff from a few months ago for whatever's left for a buck a piece, 50 percent off on trade paperbacks or some are 30 percent off. And then he has like just stuff that he has from his storage unit. He'll have, like, these tables set up with, like, 50, 60 long boxes of comics that are, like, two for a dollar some years. Other years, I've seen him do them three for a dollar. And I, like, flip through them, and I'll usually come away with a stack of things that I don't have. Because, you know, my want list is if I don't have it, I'll pretty much buy it and give it a look So, but other people, they're like looking through and they're like, you know, trying to find like the book that's worth a lot of money. And it's like, it was worth a lot of money. He would have already sold it on eBay. It's not going to, but I like flip through and I'll see all these really great runs of comics that are good reads. Nobody cares. Nobody wants it. It's just they don't know. It's not by a hot creator. It's not not a character that they've ever heard of. So what if it's only 33 cents? You know, it's just like, (laughs) I don't care. I don't want that. And it's just sad a lot of times, you know. But I
0: I think that brings us kind of back to where we were talking before we actually signed in for the episode. Uh Uh, You know, as, as we were talking about, I focus on earlier books, you know, basically kind of for the most part, ending at the uh, at, at around the time of crisis and, and not a lot of stuff after that. Now, that isn't to say that I totally turn up my nose at anything newer than that. There's definitely some stuff. And we were talking about it again before we went on. There's definitely some stuff that I've picked up over the time. And there's been some of it that we've, <coughs> excuse me, reviewed on this show to, you know, so, so long time listeners will know that we go for, for some newer stuff. But, again, I've kind of gone away from newer stuff, whereas, you know, we were talking and not really debating so much, but discussing that there is value out there. There are good books out there. But my personal feeling is you kind of have to search them out because uh, not everybody's going to buy as many books a month as you do, Bob. Uh, so, True. So you kind of have to feel get a feel for it. Now, I am primarily into superhero books. Uh that's that's you know where I started and that's where most of my attention is. And I found that the superhero books from the big two have diluted a lot. And there's you know there may be some good runs here, good runs there, but they don't seem to have the sustained good runs that they used to have. The creative teams don't seem to stay as long if they become that hot team. Uh and then you hit get a lot of independent stuff that's quality but you gotta you know you gotta kind of pick through a lot of independent stuff to find which ones are and which ones aren't so i depend on people like you or other people whose opinions i respect if they say hey there's this series out there right now and i think you'd like it and then I'll, i'll give a shot to some stuff but for the most part i stick with the older stuff because that's you know, that's where my heart is. That's where, the, you know, that, that's where I get the joy from the books. I, but- I think on the newer series,
1: superheroes, Let's we'll stay superhero for a second, right? Um, There have been some really good superhero runs in the last few years, but you do have to kind of pick and choose. And it also has to do with what you like. And if you've been reading comics for a really long time, they kind of recycle Things And the stuff that I would have really loved when I was 14 years old, now I look at and say, yeah, not my cup of tea, right? Like DC recently, and it was very popular for them. They did this DC metal thing where they did this like dark underverse and they had this Batman who laughs. It's like this big weird guy with spikes on his head and big teeth and like all super violent stuff. And it had like um, Greg Capullo art on a lot of issues with people really like Greg Capullo. And it's like, I read a lot of it It did nothing for me, but I looked at it and said, it's not that it's bad. It's that it's not my cup of tea. It's like when I looked at it, I said when I was 14, I would have thought this was the greatest comic ever made. And that's what, who's loving these books now is people who are younger not necessarily 14 i mean you could be 20 you could be you know whatever it's just that if it's it it to me it seemed i've been there done that you know on on something like that now there will be some interesting concepts in the superhero books where well, there is something new and fresh that i actually do like um hickman did a run on fantastic 4 that i thought was really well done where he concentrated a lot on the family and uh, the kids, Franklin and Valeria, um, that he did stuff with Valeria that I thought was just great. And, you know, they were traveling around out in space and between dimensions and doing all kinds of stuff. But then he kind of petered off near the end of that run, like a lot of, a lot of sub issues, you know, different people coming in and working on them and, I lost a little bit of interest, but he had a good long run that was pretty good. Um, He did the same thing in X-Men, you know, it's like, I'm very hit or miss on X-Men. I'll like try it. A lot of times I'll read it for a couple of years and then it just, and it's Hickman again, right? He did this whole uh, Krakoa arc, Um, Krakoa from X-Men 94, 94, giant size
0: size, X-Men number one,
1: giant size one. And, you know, came back and it's like, okay, it's the home for mutants and Krakoa sentient and they can resurrect mutants doing all this kind of stuff and they do backups of their brains and it was like very cool the way he put it, it was very convoluted and how he put it together but did it and it was good for a couple of years and then he lost interest and they brought in a lot of other writers that did their own stuff with this that didn't I don't want to knock these guys. It's just like, it didn't capture my imagination as well as what Hickman did. And it just kind of diluted it to the point where it's just like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> it like, I stopped reading it, but there was like a, a, a decent long run where, you know, there was some cool stuff, but you know, a lot of them, it'll happen more so on for me, on like kind of the B-list Marvel titles where someone's coming in and doing something under the radar, their big books tend to be more event driven and just like stuff like it's just like, I've I've seen that before. So I can see the general opinion of like, if you're just looking at superhero comics and you're just looking at Marvel and DC and you're seeing the books that are the big books, cause they're out in front. Right. You can kind of say, yeah, you know, there's kind of a dip here in what I used to have. But I'll look at them and a lot of times I'll see that it's not. I don't think it's an intrinsic drop in quality as much as it's a they're writing for an audience. That's not me. I don't think there's anything wrong with the book. And I I think there's a lot of good craft going on in there. Not always, you know, but a lot of times. There's a lot of good craft going on, but it's just not a good book for me. Now, other books, you know, you have to look for them, right? And it's just like they're off on the side and there'll be like a cool run of, you know, some other book that's not the main book. Um, But I kind of find like I never was a Venom guy and a Carnage guy. That whole symbiote stuff kind of never. But there are a lot of people who that's when they got into comics in the 90s. They loved that stuff. And they did a huge um plant symbiote crossover yeah. like a year ago. Planet or two of the
0: ago. symbiotes. I remember that. Yeah,
1: and like they brought in this god of the symbiotes null with a K with a K at the front of it, K-N-U-L-L. And boy, fans were like just eating that up. I read some of it and it was like it wasn't my cup of tea, but it was like, man, they loved it to death. And it was like variant covers all over the place and escalated prices and just all kinds of bad stuff that goes along with whenever you are telling a good story that people get interested in, then they really just juice it by like jacking out like a bunch of variant covers. So they can make extra money and, and artificially increase sales and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, I kind of, I always liked, because it was weird, because I blame Marvel comics for getting me into indie books. Because in the 70s, when I was reading comics, the comics that I kind of really liked, I loved Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu. I loved um, Kill Raven in War of the Worlds and the Black Panther, who was in the Jungle Action series. It wasn't as much a superhero book. Like, you know, it wasn't. Super, he was wearing the costume, but it wasn't the same. You know, you've read those books, right? So, oh, yeah, it was very different than like your standard New York City superhero books, right? Um, and Deathlock, and you know, all those kinds of things. It's like I loved those weird kind of and Tomb of Dracula and Werewolf by Night, you know, and then when and Son of Satan, hey, they, can you imagine today them making. A book called Son of Satan, where the (laughs) main character, Damon Hellstrom, is literally the son of Satan. It's not just like a name. It's like his dad is Satan, the actual (laughs) Satan, right? Yeah. Which they've all, they've messed with that continuity over the years. And it's like, he's like, Mephisto, or it's not really Satan, it's this, it's that. But... I love those books. I love those supernatural books and the sci-fi books and the martial arts books. So when the indie books started coming out, like Grendel and Grimjack and Starslayer and, you know, Concrete and all these other things, I just kind of gravitated towards them and started reading those stuff. And I think that's what got me through the 90s. Right. And like Sandman and like other mm-hmm. books, you know, Swamp Thing and stuff like that. It's just like there were things that weren't the standard superhero fare, which a lot of people fondly remember it because that's what got them into comics. But, you know, the whole everyone had a leather jacket with a bunch of pouches on it and a gigantic gun era of Marvel that was not my favorite hero of Marvel comics, right? Um, and a lot of people burned out on the superhero stuff, but I I didn't buy a lot of those books, but I was buying indie books on the side of that. And like today I get about 110 to 120 new books every month that I read. And of those I think I might get 10 or 12, maybe 15 Marvel books. I get maybe five to 10 DC books. But then the other hundred books that I get are all, you know, Dark Horse, Image, Boom Studios, um, and other smaller publishers. Um, I love James Bond right mm-hmm. um, dynamite has been putting out some really decent James Bond series um, lately for the last several years um, I don't a lot of the other stuff dynamite puts out very popular some people not my cup of tea they do a lot of Vampirella stuff they do a lot of Red Sonia stuff um, but I mean very, very solid James Bond stuff from them boom has been putting out some absolutely fabulous stuff um in the last few years um dark horse image of course you know image wow how they turned themselves around and reinvented that company you know when they started out with the original guys just doing big gun pouches super you know gritty violent superheroes you know like like if you know their own versions of like Marvel, you know, heroes in mm-hmm. the 90s and like the first 10 years of that company was all that kind of stuff, and you'd have like Rob Liefeld had his whole imprint with like a bunch of guys who drew like Rob Liefeld, and you know, Jim Lee had a bunch of guys who drew like Jim Lee, and you know, all that, it's just but then.
0: That all seemed to change when the, Walking the Dead the came,
1: to, came in vogue. Even, even before Walking Dead, they kind of reinvented and they started having people make their own creator own books that were just all these, just all different kinds of things. And most of them didn't run, they didn't hit as big as Walking Dead, but they were interesting, you know, like Rick Remender who's a, you know, a lot of people know Rick Remender from his Marvel work. He did a very popular run on X-Force, which wasn't my cup, but he, he's a creator where I absolutely love almost all of his creator own stuff, um, but I, I really can't bring myself to read his Marvel superhero stuff. Mm. And Jeff Lemire is like that. I love his creator own stuff. But, like, his DC superhero stuff, it, it leaves me kind of cold. Um, but Remender, he did this book called Strange Girl. He did a book called Sea of Red that had, like, these pirates and vampire pirates. And he did a um, the Deadly Class book that actually got a sci-fi, a series on that sci-fi channel that wasn't quite as good as the comic. Um But, I mean, he's done a lot of really good comics at Image. Um, And there's a lot of creators like that that have created, you know, Jeff Johns um, just uh, created his own imprint at Image called Ghost Machine, where they're creating their own stuff. And they've got, like, it's kind of like a, I would call it the grandson of G.I. Robot. It's called the from the DC war comics. Remember mm-hmm. GI robot vaguely. Um, it's called junkyard Joe. Um, it's really well done though. Um, and there's some other things like that. And it's like uh, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank and others have created their own imprinted image and they're doing some really cool stuff there. So there's a lot of things that if you just like reading, you know, comics that, you know, it's like, that's the thing. If you want like, People who love old comics want some recommendation. Have me on again. I can like recommend like some some new comics for people that they might want to try out because there are some really spectacularly well done comics coming out today. Um, just well, a lot of them, maybe not Marvel and DC. That, that
0: brings that brings me to the, the thought of what I what I wanted what I wanted to ask you to do is I want I want to impose on you to take some op- some more of your time. Uh this has been a great conversation and I've I've really gotten a kick out of kind of reconnecting and talking to you. But what what I was going to do was say to you, when you know when this is all when when the dust settles, you want to come back on and do basically what we did in the past and do kind of like a back issue spotlight, pick a storyline and 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 do a do a a recap of it. But now I feel like expanding that even more and trying to take more of your time and saying, I still want to do that, but maybe you could suggest a you know, a more recent run that I'll have to find and trade or something. And uh and we'll do that as well. Maybe do two yeah. two kind of back issue spotlight episodes yeah, for now. Something and, like, for instance, have you ever read Saga?
1: You know, I, I've, heard, and
0: I've heard Stave. so many good things about saga and I've never been able to sit down and read it.
1: Sci-fi fantasy kind of series that is so well done, you know, um, so well done. Um, Brian K. Vaughn has been doing some really cool stuff that he does on his own website that is kind of like uh, they do... Uh, Pay what you want for the digital versions of the things where you can get like each installment or issue. You could give them a penny or you could give them a buck or you could give them five bucks. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's just like you pay what you want, but then when they get like a whole story arc, they'll print out like a trade paperback of it. Um, And he's got one called Friday, which is a, a girl detective who's in, like college and she goes back to her and she was kind of like a Nancy Drew type of detective, but then she went to college and she comes back to her hometown and there's this murder mystery for her to solve. It's really well done. Um That is also, you know, it's just, there's so many things like that. And it's like, not everything I read is a winner. You know, it's well, like, I get like, but I'm going to be, ask, I'm
0: going to be asking you to pick a winner. No.
1: <laughs> I, and i would go with the winners, you know, it's just like when people say, hey, recommend this stuff, I have to kind of like pick and choose because there's a lot of stuff that I read and I think it's cool or I think it's OK, but it has some challenges. Like Boom had a series that came out recently called uh, The Seasons Have Teeth, and it was like kind of a horror story. And it was re- I was really, really excited about it. it was really well done. But then just for me he failed to stick the landing and it's just like the, the, the ending was not, it just kind of, you know, went off and it wasn't like, so that's not one that I would say I would, if I saw those issues in a dollar bin, I would say absolutely buy the seasons of teeth out of a dollar bin, you know, if you get like the whole series. I forget. It was like four or six issues, something If you get it for five or $6. It's a great read. Right. But I wouldn't say this is the greatest thing. But something like Saga, something like Friday, something like Something Is Killing the Children. I'm also out from Boom. Um, these are like fabulous books right, that so, I would so recommend to
0: people. So let's plan to do something like that. I would, and like I said, I, I'd like to do two. I'd like to bother you at least two more times, and then we'll take it from there and see if we sure, do more. I, but. Uh, yeah. But I, I'd like to do something more recent that you recommend. That you say this is a winner and let's do it, and then we'll we'll, we'll go through it and see. And I'd like to pick a classic story like what we did on uh, back issue spotlight for those two episodes. So what I'm, did you know, we
1: we did the we did the um,
0: we did the Defenders did the Avengers
1: War. War? Or we, did we did the did, Avengers Defenders War. Or we did, did not Skull?
0: do the we did not we did the Avengers Defenders War and we did the Guardians. We did not do the kree Scroll War, so that might be a good one to do.
1: We could do that, or like the other one that I, I really like, and I haven't read in years, is that uh, Celestial Madonna storyline. We, we,
0: we have done that on this show. Like We've done uh, that one?
1: We, That's we, an we, awesome.
0: That is an I, awesome. Well, that line. that was kind of like when I was in my, you know, really had you know had just gotten into the whole comic thing, and then that was happening uh, so that was, that was great for me. Have you done the
1: coming of Galactus with anybody?
0: No, we have not. How about that? Okay, let's plan for that. We'll do that in, in a few weeks. We'll give it a little yeah. little time to percolate. We we'll get back together. We'll do that.
1: I'll let you pick, you know, like, I'll send you a mail or a text, of, like a choice of like two or three current things, and you can tell me what you can find uh, reasonably easily. and that we works. Can pick a more...
0: So, so, but that's that's great. I, I, I'm going to really look forward to that, and I really enjoyed having, like I said, having a chance to sit and talk, and kind of just talk comics in general, which I always enjoy, uh, especially, you know, after whatever 15 years since we did the the previous, or maybe maybe not quite 15. I don't even know exactly how long, but uh, it's it's definitely it's been a big, long time. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's been it a has. long time. It has. You know, but, I um, have
1: I have a website now called Comic Spectrum, and I mean, I don't. I have a blog on it and I like post stuff, shorter stuff up on it, but you know, it's like stuff that I buy, things that are cool. I put like, you know, kind of travel logs when I go to a convention, you know, but I try to post stuff up on it. Um, you know, so, you know, that's, that's something that people can, can look for. It's just called comic spectrum, all one word, dot
0: com. Yeah. I'm going to, see... I'm going to put a link to it on, uh, on the Back to the Bins Facebook page so that people listening can find it. I, I kind of
1: consolidate. I used to have all these different blogs that were like all, I had like a back issue blog and a, you know, comic reviews blog and a, this blog. And then it was like, ah, eh, I got tired of dealing with all that. And I just have Bob's blog. It's like everything just goes in the one place now. And it's just like, sometimes it'll just be a picture of some cool comic that I recently got with just like, Look at this, look at this crazy cover, you know, it's like I put one up recently where it was like uh, Sabrina, it was an issue of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and it was like, you know, they always did those cover gags on Archie books, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the first panel on the cover is, they're at the beach, and it says, no loud music, you know, frisbees, littering, eating, littering. Right.
0: Right.
1: And then like it she did her magic and it turned the no into a yes. And I said my my comment on that was like all the people who like to litter at the beach are now are rushing down. Thanks to Sabrina (laughs) because it had (laughs) no littering after all the other things. So um,
0: anyway. Yeah, anyway, been... be
1: there. It was fun <laughs> I saw
0: the image. It's been a pleasure to have you on, Bob. I appreciate you making the time for me, uh, and uh, I look forward to our next time to talk. Yep, sounds good. Thanks. And I a hope lot. everybody enjoyed listening to us, but they can catch a, catch me again next week. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and
1: every week for more good old fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at 2truefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the 2 True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.2truefreaks.com. 2 True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiMonzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the 2 freaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.